Welcome to The Work of Warriors, a podcast dedicated to bringing mental wellness to the entertainment industry. I'm your host, Kim Ravage. This podcast is dedicated to the artists we've lost to mental health, addiction, and suicide, and to those who are still suffering in silence. I'm excited to introduce our guest today. She is a dear friend. Her name is Kristen Peltier, and she is the founder of Safe Harbor Coaching. She is certified in trauma and addiction, including relationship betrayal trauma. She and I met on Instagram, thanks to the algorithm gods, if you will. We just crossed paths and realized very quickly that our methodology in coaching, as well as our values and our boundaries, just as humans, were very much aligned. She is compassionate and spiritual. She's a music lover. She developed Safe Harbor Coaching after witnessing firsthand the deep level of despair and stress that can happen from addiction, relationship betrayal, and trauma. And that ensued her passion for helping those who are currently living in that painful reality. Kristen's passion has always been music, and she brings with her over 25 years of experience working within the music industry. Witnessing the heavy toll that this industry can have on people and its artists, as well as a deep understanding of how the music industry works, have uniquely positioned Kristen to be able to offer support and coaching to those who are still living within a life of chaos, spiritual depletion, relationship betrayal, and addiction. Kristen is a certified Mind Rebel Academy coach, a method that is built on the pillars of community, truth, courage, and impact. Welcome, Kristen Peltier. Hi. Hi. Hi, friend. Hi, friend. How are you? Oh, man, I'm so good. I'm so happy to see you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for making time for this. I'm so excited to have this conversation. Yeah, me too. I can't wait. Is it cool to have coffee? Like, is that taboo? No, I just can't have too much because it hijacks my nervous system. <laughs> but I have my water. You're good. You can have a, snack. have a snack. <laughs> I haven't done many podcasts, so I'm still, you know, figuring out what's uh, what's cool and what's not. So here's what I think. Okay. I think people need less perfection. Mm. I think we've had enough polished. We've had enough perfection. We've had enough trauma on the other side of that perfection, where Mm -hmm. I think people just want to know that people who are there to help people who are, you know, quote unquote, successful influencers, Mm -hmm. I think we all just want to know, like, you're real, right? You're a real person. So have your coffee, have your (laughs) snacks. But yeah, have your coffee for sure. Awesome. So you have experience with both a, a lot of experience with the music industry but Mm -hmm. also national security. And Mm -hmm. so I was wondering if you would just tell our listeners, what does that mean? How does that happen? Paint us a little visual of just whatever you're comfortable sharing or how brief or extended you want to be, but how did you go from one to the other? It sounds like you would have had to have done both at the same time at some point. Oh yeah. So, you know, along with a a lot of artists, a lot of people who, you know, just love music. It's like something you're born. It's almost like you're born with it, right? It's like in your DNA. And I, I grew up my whole life wanting music and knowing music was supposed to be a part of my life. Um, but you know, I, I grew up in a, a very um, traditional, strict household where. I guess in a way I was sort of the black sheep of the family, you know, and, and with all due respect to my wonderful parents who just really wanted to make sure that I could make a living for myself. Right. So I was, um, you know, I was 17 years old when I snuck backstage at uh, this massive festival here in Ottawa. And that is something I just never in my whole life would have ever even considered doing. And I don't know what came over, came over me all of a sudden I'm I'm standing there with my best friend and we realized, Oh my gosh, backstage is just right there. We with our little backpacks crawled over and under cement blocks and popped up. And there were like 30 tour buses lined up in a row. And we're like, what are we going to do now? Let's pretend we're journalists. Okay. We were very young. So we go up to the first bus and we knock on the door and 
uh, Chantelle Kreviazic. I don't know if you know her. She's Canadian. She's a I piano don't. player. Okay. Okay. She's a big deal in Canada. <laughs> okay. She answers the door and we're and I was a huge fan of her and she was not playing the festival. So she was, as it turns out, in the beginning of a relationship with um, Rain Maida, who's now her husband, who's the lead singer of Our Lady Peace. And thus wow. began our whole, my whole journey. Um, they were so wonderful. They gave us interviews. We sat on the pavement in front of the bus. Believing you were journalists? Yeah. <laughs> All we had in our backpack was uh, was like like school notepads and pencils. And so we just sat, we asked questions, we wrote. And, you know, that Catholic guilty conscience inside me, when we were done, I remember I looked at her and I said, I got I to gotta admit something. I'm not actually a journalist. And she said, you know, she said, honey, she said, you are who you say you are. And she went and knocked on the other tour buses. And we walked away with about 12 interviews from huge, huge Canadian bands at the time. Wow, I have goosebumps. I've never heard this story. That's amazing. Yeah, well, you and I are still getting to know each other too, right? So this this began my journey in the music industry where we actually turned... um, all these interviews into a street zine. I I don't know if you've ever heard of a street zine back then that was like pre computers, right? It was pre blogs. It was pre everything. So we got sponsors. We, we, we had physical copies that a lot of the record stores would distribute for us. And, you know, as those, as I continued to interview artists really, and as my confidence grew and I got to really understand the way the music industry worked, I gained the the courage to step outside of just interviewing and I became an independent booking agent. And then eventually I started managing. So all of this is going on, you know, kind of at a crazy time because um, 9-11 happened. And when 9-11 happened, my father uh, was working um, for national security. He had my whole life. And I was actually working at a, a record label. I, I had been hired by a local businessman to start a, a local record label called Boulder Records. And my whole, uh, just like the whole world, right? I was shook. And I was, all of a sudden, it was like my innocence in a way was gone. And I just knew I wanted to help. I didn't know how, but I applied um, and I got in. And, you know, um, it served to be a very good career. You know, it was financially stable. I was, I was great at my job, but it's the government. And, and, you know, I know, you know, you're American and we, we work differently. We work, we work alongside each other. You know, I was, we were, you know, all our five eyes, you know, we, um, FBI, CIA, we would all work together. Um, but over time, like I couldn't shake, like my, my, my soul was continuously being drawn back to music. So I balanced both for about 20 years. And, um, the last two bands that I worked with, uh, both ended in the same way with, um, you know, we were just on, just on the brink, you know, just at that point where I was considering quitting my job in the government to pursue and manage full time when everything fell apart because of really serious mental health issues and addiction issues. Uh, The last band that I worked with, we actually opened for Bon Jovi. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is it. You know, my whole body felt it like this is where I belong. This is what I'm meant to do. And then when it became clear that the band just couldn't continue, um, it's a heartbreak. So I stepped away at that point and um, went back, you know, not went back, but decided I'm going to reinvest myself into the government and protecting Canada. And, and then, um, and then COVID hit and shut us, shut everything down and made me reevaluate my priorities. And, um, and that's, you know, as you know, COVID really decimated the entertainment and music industry. And I saw so many of my friends struggle um, financially, you know, they couldn't support their families. Um, 
addiction wise, um, alcoholism went right through the roof. Uh, and I thought, you know what, maybe I'm doing this wrong. Maybe I'm supposed to be helping from the other side. And that's when I got into coaching, um, and kind of intertwined my two loves of, of helping people, you know, being surrounded by music and, and I officially left the government. I officially quit. So I am doing this full time, which is just crazy, but so fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My gosh, I love that story. And to get hammered by two major history making events within, oh, you know, yeah. your career. Oh yeah. yeah. And just like in life, right? Like our, yeah. like this generation has, has had to go through so much. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. fascinating. Well, you know, the work of warriors is, you know, a warrior is someone who intentionally fights for themselves first, right? And I hear you doing that. And I know that you do that. And I know we've had a lot of conversations about that. But it's so fitting that you said when that when that artist, you know, after talking to you said, honey, you are who you say you are. And I think that's so important and fits so well in the work that we do because mm-hmm. you and I work with so many people and artists and people who are, you know, in the public eye, very successful, right? I always say successful. Yeah. Successful in their career, but mm-hmm. struggling emotionally, feeling shame, feeling like they don't, you know, they don't know what they're doing or that they're not worth it. Or when they really make it big, they have so much imposter syndrome. They just have so much shame. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't belong here. I don't deserve this. I don't know how this happened. When it's yeah. truly what they not only desire, but they're meant to do. Mm-hmm. And when people fight for themselves and they look in the mirror and they believe that they're worthy of the life they dream of, you have to be who you say you are and you have to love yourself. Oh, yeah. And so that story is, I'm a journalist. You are who you say you are. And you got to go forward with that. But like, imagine if our artists could look in the mirror and say, I am worthy. I love myself. If all this goes away tomorrow, I know I did my best. I know I'm worthy to be here in this industry. Yeah, I know. It's, um, you know, worthiness and and self-love is not anything that we're taught you know, unfortunately, there are things that that were that are kind of forced upon us when when we're already beaten down. Yeah. And, you know, especially, um, you know, I I was raised, like I said, in a very traditional um, home, a Catholic home. And, you know, all and 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 I'm a very spiritual person, um, but I was very much raised like obey your parents, forgive your neighbors, love God. Um, but I was never taught, forgive yourself, love yourself. You know, you are worthy of your, you know, like these were things that I learned much later in life. And, and I just feel is like, um, a gap it's like missing in our, even in our educational system. Um, because if you, if you can't, then, I mean, let's, let's just look at mental illness, right. And mental health, um, and the shame and everything. But if, if you can, if you, I shouldn't say if, but when, you know, when I get the chance to sit with people and, and challenge their perspective on that, it's life-changing. Yeah. Like you see lights go off, Yeah. you know, or go on, I should say, you see yeah. lights go on, not go right, off. Right, right, right. Know? <laughs> yeah. The light that's been dimmed finally comes back on, right? Because those yeah. are old tapes that are telling you, those are old memories, old voices, someone else's voice. Yeah. A teacher, a parent, someone on the playground who told you something, right? Yeah. The pivotal, you know, people say, well, what is trauma? Who has trauma? Everybody has trauma, mm-hmm. right? But significantly, it's, I think, when we understand that it's an event that made us shift, mm-hmm. right? It, it caused a shift in our nervous system, in our belief about ourselves, in our belief about the world, relationships, men, women, whatever. Yeah. yeah. And when you can realize where you made that shift and where you, where your light went out. Yes. It can come back on. Yes. Oh, I just got goosebumps. That's when I coach too, you know, and when I know something is meant for someone, it's like, I get that. You feel that, it. That, yeah. That, yeah. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, I think it's that connection. Mm-hmm. What is it about you that caused mm-hmm. you to make a shift internally to be able to have this passion for artists 
Mm. you know, to go into coaching, like, what was that like? Because you obviously probably went through some coaching of your own. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yes. So everything that I've said, you know, everything that I, you know, I've told you how, how I, I landed here, um, what I haven't shared. And I don't know if, if I've actually, if you and I have even talked about this in our previous chats, but um, addiction does run in my family. And um, my husband has battled addiction um, his whole life. It was something I didn't learn about until after we were married, um, because we were, um, we met, we met, we were engaged after three months, and we were married nine months later. Very quick, very normal in our, in the religious world. Yeah. You know, we weren't allowed to be alone in a room together, even. You know, yeah. so we didn't have a whole lot of time to really get to know each other. Um, and marriage was just the acceptable thing to do, not to downplay sure. it. I was sure. so, I, you know, so in love, but things became, um, messy very quickly. And, and we did, we went through a lot of trauma together. We, um, uh, lost our first child, uh, mm. during birth and we, um, you know, we had to cope with that. And we were so young and we did not have the coping mechanisms. And I just started to realize something isn't right. You know, they say marriage is hard, but like, how hard is it? How hard is it really? It's not supposed to be that hard. And then it did come out about about a year and a half, two years into our marriage, um, uh, uh, his addiction issues came out. So um, something that I have just been you know, in the throes of, uh, for, for, well, we'll, we'll be married 18 years this December, but, um, separated many times on the brink of divorce, um, a few times. And really what, what drove me into this area of wanting to help and support people who are, who have addiction issues and also beyond like partners of addicts was just all the work and all the legwork I had to do to figure out what am I dealing with? What does he need? Especially when my entire community is religious and mm -hmm. it's, and they were very much like, pray about it. Go see this priest. No amount of prayer is going to cure your addiction. You like, there is science behind this, you know, and, um, a couple of years ago, or I should say more than a couple of years ago, um, I did find a community that is, um, doing the research, like doctors, scientists who are, um, who are sort of changing the game on addiction and the 12 step program, modernizing it a little bit that felt good and it felt right. And finally he got the help he needed. Mm -hmm. And finally I got the help that I needed. Yeah. So, you know, that that's the addiction side, which just so naturally fits with the music and entertainment side, because my experience in, in that industry is just um, that you've, you know, we've got all these artists who have the talent, they have the drive, they have that deep-seated belief that this is their purpose and this is what they're supposed to do. But then they get caught up. They get caught up in all the substances. And, and I mean substances. I, I don't even just mean alcohol or drugs. I mean like sex addiction. Sex addiction is the new drug. It yeah. is destroying families and people. And um, and it's it's there's so much shame in around it that people don't really get help. And yeah. that's where I find um, that like, that's where I I'm pretty vocal. I don't know if you've, you've seen some of the stuff mm -hmm. that I talk about, but I talk about it because somebody has to, yeah. you know, like everybody, yeah. we have one life and yeah. I just, I believe everybody is worthy of living a beautiful full life. Yeah. Um, they often just don't know how or where to start. Yeah. Well, and yeah. I think, you know, like you said, you're, you're talking about two very important roadblocks to people being well, well, three, mm -hmm. um, you know, one is to work through the shame, like the shame keeps you silent, right? So you don't yeah. ask for care. Then once maybe the addiction or the behavior 
that, you know, depression, anxiety, whatever gets bad enough and you do speak up and you need help, it's so hard to find. It is. Right. It's so hard to find. Our traditional system is broken. Mm -hmm. That's one thing that I'm very vocal about. And it is, you know, then you have an industry that is, well, I guess I'm going to say a fourth thing. You have an industry that's feeding drugs, alcohol, you know, pampering people, putting cocaine in front of them, putting, you know, sex in front of them, all these opportunities that are entire. And here's the fourth thing that our whole culture somehow has deemed as that's when, especially men have known they've made it, but now it's everybody. Like Mm -hmm. if you've got, you know, the sex, you've got the drugs, you've got the money, you've made it. Oh, but we're not talking about how we're actually killing you. Yeah. It's devastating. It is. It is. It's oh, like just, know, yeah. these people have chosen this 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 life and this career and they need to be able to do this till the end. And the only way they're going to be able to sustain that is if they're taking care of themselves. And um, like my practice is built around the holistic model of, you know, mind, body and soul alignment, um, which sometimes people think is hokey. But but I only work with people who are open to to that idea, because I believe that if your mind, body and soul are healthy and aligned, then that's when you're going to be living your most authentic, beautiful life. When one thing is out of, out of alignment, that's kind of when chaos ensues, right? Like that's when you feel like life is out of control. And sometimes people don't know what it is or why, but to be able to coach people into finding their alignment is just like, that's what's, that's, what's going to take them to the end. Yeah. And, and not just in the music or entertainment industry in life. Yeah. Everybody, everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You and I work with artists, but we're champion for everyone. Yeah. I, I work with artists. I work with um, uh, partners of artists as well. I And then I also work with, with, with um, partners of, I work with a, quite a few partners of addicts, educating them on what, you know, on what is abuse and what isn't. Because unfortunately, a lot of people who battle substance abuse, um, are abusive in their intimate relationships. Mm. It's just kind of like par for the course, I guess. Um, you know, addicts, they need to they need to protect the one thing that's sustaining them, which is their addiction. So how do you do that? You lie, you manipulate, you gaslight, yeah. you know, and there's always someone on the other end taking the brunt of that. Um, yeah. So part of part of all of, I guess, what I'm doing is just it's education as well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I appreciate your sharing your personal experience. You know, I've learned enough over the years. I think those of us who want to help, we're helping from a place of where we've been. Yes. Right. Like I help artists who experience emotional darkness because that's, that's where I've been and we, we want to help. So knowing, knowing you, you know, to the extent that I do knowing that there probably was a very personal piece to that. Yeah. And so. I'm I'm just grateful that you're using that to bring back into the world. And, you know, it's, it's like a celebration, right? It's like when you offering hope. Yeah. When you're in recovery of, I think we're all in recovery, by the way, I think mm-hmm. everyone, every human, <laughs> we're all yeah. in some stage of recovery, whether we know it or not. And those of us doing like our deep work or inner work are in recovery from something. Um, yeah. And so I, I guess, yeah, it, yeah, it's, and it's ongoing. And, yeah. um, I just talked to somebody today and he's like, I've been doing this for 26 years and I just had another awakening this summer. Like it's just evolution, right? Yeah. But what I'm wondering is what, what, what do you do, right? What do you do on a regular basis? to mm. live your best life, to make sure that you don't get out of alignment. And I'm sure, I know we don't always stay there. Like, I know you probably get out of alignment, but how do you get right yeah. back on? <laughs> like, I just want to be clear. We are not perfect. You know, I tell my clients, like, I do this for a living. They're, you know, they'll say like, well, I can't say it like you do. Well, I do this for a living and I can't, I don't always say it right. I don't always do it right. I'm not always regulated. 
but oh I know how to get back, right? We have this center we get back to. How do you get back to your alignment? How do I get back to my center? It's a really good, great question. So I, um, I use the terminology that I strive to have exquisite self-care. Mm. Um, my self-care has changed over the years. Uh, I used to be a little bit of a workaholic, you know, well, living that double life, right? Live, working for national security and, and working in the music industry where you've got people who depend on you for their livelihood. You know, okay. I would, um, I, I burnt out. That's the, that's the honest truth is that I realized that my, com my compulsive need to be busy all the time was actually um, a very huge red flag that I was dealing with an anxiety issue. Yeah. And wow. when you're in, when you have an anxiety problem, um, compulsive planning puts you in the control seat, right? You know, what's coming. And once I was able to realize that I was able to slow down a little bit, reprioritize, look at all the relationships in my life. And I used to be the type of person that I like people would joke that I was like a collector of people that I just love people. So I would just surround my, like, I met you, you were my friend, you know, it, like it, that's just the way it was. But then yeah. I, I started looking around the people closest to me and really taking stock of who was good for me and who wasn't, who, who was maybe a friendship, you know, that should have died a long time ago. And I kind of went inside. Um, I do believe that I do believe in the power of coaching. So I always have a coach. I recently just ended a relationship with a coach that I had because we coach and think differently. So he had different training than I did, which was fine, but we had different belief systems. And I realized very quickly, I wasn't like, he wasn't really helping me. So um, I am in search of a new one. I have an interview next week, but coaching um, is a big way for me to keep myself accountable. Um, and then you might laugh, you might laugh at this, but I've learned to listen to my body. So if my body is telling me I need to sleep or just shut it down, and I mean like not for a day or two, but for like a week or a month, I will do that. Like I will go inside and kind of quiet the world and I'll read and I'll journal. Uh, I'll walk my dog. I wish I could say I was huge into exercise and like a CrossFit maniac and everything, but that's just not who I am. Like mm -hmm. I love nature. I love walking. I love swimming. And I just try to do all the things that my like our ultimately our souls tell us what we need you know if we're able to be quiet enough our souls will tell us what it is that that we need and and that's just what i've been trying to focus on i have to right we have to be so that yeah. we can show up for our clients in in an aligned manner and hold that space for them yeah and i know that it is you know it's a foreign concept for many um even people who are billionaires, right? To, to, to hear the words, listen to your body, right? Mm -hmm. But that is everything. That is probably the biggest gift that I ever got through coaching Yeah, was understanding that mind, body, spirit, and learning to trust myself. But first, before you can trust it, you have to actually slow down and yeah. listen. Yes. And I use it all the time. Like, I feel like, you know, it's like, is this a hell yes or a hell no? And if somebody comes across my Instagram feed and I, and I feel this like unfollow, I'm not looking at who you are. I'm not going to feel bad. I don't have loyalty. It used yeah. to be loyalty for me. Like, yes, I think you've wrestled with too. Yes. Loyalty has really burned me. Um, but listening to your body is such a gift. We have a nervous system. Mm -hmm. That is holding everything that we've been through, holding all that we desire, and we can only find what is true if we are present and listening. Mm -hmm. You know, I always say attune, 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 self-attune first. You yeah. know, I don't know what my mom's, no, what, what, what are you saying? What is your gut oh, telling yeah. you? What is your inner pilot light telling you? 
And so, oh, I would never laugh at that. Mm -mm. Yeah. Gold. (laughs) Yeah. I, and I do think that, um, you know, someone, um, trying to remember, it doesn't matter who it was, but I, I had, I had done an Instagram live where I was talking about, um, just this and just how, how it's okay to, to really shut down and, and sleep if you need to sleep. And someone commented, I was depressed for 36 years and I spent eight months in bed and I've never been healthier. It was like, she needed a complete reset. And I don't know what the, her trauma was that uh, meet that where yeah. she needed that, but how beautiful that she recognized it yeah. and came out of it. And yeah. that's, yeah, that's why I just, you know, I, you know, I laugh at myself because I also have to be accountable and say, all right, Kristen, you know, you can't just stay in bed, you know, like <laughs> you know, get up and walk and there is a balance there. But, but I think yeah. you understand my point of. I do. And I think you, you also said it perfectly when you listen, like I literally just had this conversation with a client yesterday who said, you know, I'm so exhausted. I just want to go back to bed. Yeah. And I was like, can you get quiet? Put your hand on your heart, your other hand on your belly. And can you just listen? Is this more of a stress or trauma response where you don't want to deal with life and you need to not face it? Or is this true exhaustion? And either way, you're not wrong. Even if you decide like, yeah, I can't deal with it and I need to go back to bed. Hey, guess what? That's okay too. Yeah. But your nervous system, you know, there's so much shame around lethargy and, you know, lack of motivation and lack of energy. But yet at the same time, we're running at such a pace, especially in this industry, people are running at such a pace and then they feel bad when they have to rest or take a nap in the middle of the day or for a week. It's like, that's your nervous system needing to reset. It's human. Yes. And people forget, they forget that human beings weren't, weren't built to be this overstimulated consistently every day. Most people work on the computer every day and then it's Netflix and then it's video games. And it's, it is, it is a mental exhaustion that we've never seen in history before. Like it is like we, we can adapt and we can move forward and we can embrace technology, but we'll never be able to run away from our humanity. And and we are always going to have to come back to that to be healthy. Right. And I'm not saying we need to cut, cut out all the fun stuff and computers and everything, but I do think there needs to be more education on, on, on our, you know, basic humanity and what our body and mind and soul need. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And having that, I think self-attunement and having that compassion, you know, I think of like touring artists, right. Or people who are on set for three months or a year, you know, and it's, you know, 20 hours a day and it's go, go, go party, 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 work, work, work. And then for families like artists who have families who are re-entering, whether they're on the road with them or not, mm-hmm. when they re-enter, there's such, I think, a jolt to the yeah. nervous system and to the belief system, even like yeah. that re-entry is hard. And we don't talk about that. You yeah. know, I'll go away for the weekend and come back. And my friends will be like, how was the re-entry? <laughs> like we just make that normal conversation yeah. because even in the simplest of terms, coming in and out of your family can be really tricky. For everybody. For everybody. Yeah. I just um, actually interviewed um, uh, a young man who's, who's this, he's the son of one of Canada's most beloved guitar players. He was in the, he was in the, I did the tragically hip. Do you know the tragically hip? I don't. Hey, you and I need to sit you down. Need- <laughs> And I need to educate you on some good Canadian music. You need to send me a good playlist. This is where you and I are going to be good for each other too. We can, you can educate me on some bands, you know, that you love. And sure. um, But he said the most crazy thing. He said, I asked him, you know, what was it like growing up with one of the most famous fathers, you know, in, in, in Canada? And, and he, he kind of shrugged it off a bit. He said, you know, well, as a kid, like didn't really know too much. But then as he got older, he said there was about 10 years where his dad was only home for maybe two or three weeks a year. Oh, wow. And it it just, it, it shocked me because, well, he didn't seem to really realize that that's a big deal. Yeah. 
you know, and then it was an interview and not a coaching session. So I wasn't sure. able to coach him into, well, how did that feel? And how do you sure. feel now? And what's, you know, sure. but it really did shock me that, you know, um, the children, it like it, it, it affects the whole family. Like these artists who, who decide to, to pursue this, this life choice and this career, um, the whole family is affected by it. And it could be easier if the support was there. Right. These record labels and these like, you know, studios were, were, were offering support. It, it could change the entire industry. Yeah. 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 I think we live in a world where trauma is just now, we're just now starting to understand it. And we're becoming a more trauma informed society, but it's still, I think a lot of uh, false narrative is that it's just a buzzword. Yeah. And I think it's so important that people understand, you know, it's kind of like we were talking about mind, body, spirit, like understanding the experiences that they've had that impact them. That's again, something all of us could benefit from Mm -hmm. and understanding the nervous system. Mm-hmm. understanding your belief systems, learning what your values are, what your boundaries are. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Boundaries. <laughs> yeah. So you had asked me and I think I, I accidentally skipped over it, but um, I, uh, when I was going through everything with, with my husband, um, like when I was in the depths of despair, it, to put it in, in you know, bluntly, um, it was bad. You know, I, I had three very young children. I, um, felt alone. I had, I wish I had, I, I didn't have anybody to talk to, um, because the response back I would always get is you need to pray more. You need, you know, and it was just, I knew that wasn't it. And one day I just met this literal, literal earth angel. And (laughs) it's actually a cute, funny story. If I can tell it quickly. Oh, Um, you don't even have to be quick. (laughs) So, So I woke up, I woke up in the morning and I was supposed to take my son to this play date. So this woman had reached out to me and said, our, our kids are really close. Can you, you know, why don't, it's time we meet. Why don't you come for coffee and bring, bring your, bring your son and they can play and we'll have a coffee. Well, I woke up in the morning and I, it would, it was after a very difficult night, very, you know, um, you know, he was in the throes of addiction at that point. So it was just, you know, I, I, I had like bags under my eyes and I, and I didn't want to cancel cause it was Simon, you know, my, my buddy, my middle guy. And I, I pushed through and I literally, I think I showed up in my PJs, like bun, bun on the t- top of my head. And we, we, she coincidentally lived on the street behind me. So I, I, we, we walk over, ring the doorbell and the door flies open and there's, there she is standing. One of the most beautiful women I've ever seen in my life. Hair blowing in the wind. And I just remember thinking, shit, sorry, I don't know, I guess if that's going to be bleeped out here, but I was no. just... <laughs> no, just be yourself. <laughs> right. Well, I don't be myself because I had a lot of, in my inner cursing was just like, are you kidding me? Like, why didn't I put any effort into this? So, so we, she was the warmest, most gentle, beautiful woman. And within five minutes of the you know her putting a coffee in my hand i had just broke down and she was she sat cross-legged in front of me on the floor and held me in this space that i had never been held in before and she was a coach she had just left her job in the government to open her own coaching business and um it was the first time in my whole life i felt like there was hope for me she took me from this the spot where I was the only reason I wasn't taking my life was my children. I couldn't leave Mm -hmm. them, you know, and, and she just became a friend to me in a, in a way that I had never really had a friend before. And then um, she invited me away on this uh, retreat weekend that she was putting on. And she was so fantastic. I was like broke, you know, I, I think I was off work at that time because my son had, um, uh, he had to have brain surgery. So I, I had to stay home and I know just another crazy. Um, and she said, you know, even if you can't afford it, I want you to come. I want you to come. And, and that retreat changed my life, mm. changed my whole life. I learned about boundaries. 
I had never learned about boundaries. I didn't know I had the right to set them. I didn't even know what they were. And, um, and then I hired her as my coach after that weekend. And we worked together for about a year. And um, I remember at the end of that year, she said, she said, I'm being called, like I'm being pulled to something bigger and I'm going to open my own academy and I'm going to train coaches that will change the world for generations to come. And mm. she said, I want you to uh, work with me. Um, so that, so I ended up actually getting my coaching uh, diploma through her school. Uh, it was a year long intensive program, but life changing. Yeah. So that I'm sorry to go on that tangent, but that's how I became a co- that's really what drew me into coaching. Yes. I sorry. You're going to have to edit that awkward part out. <laughs> I don't think so. My brain is just going a million no, miles. No, I think it's so powerful. And I think that's what people don't realize. We, and again, looking at traditional mental health, mm-hmm. it doesn't give people a lot of hope. I know. Because you can be in talk therapy for 20 years And if you don't understand the holistic piece, you're not going to make a lot of changes, right? And so to share that story, I think is really important. And also to, you know, we talk about being like self-attuned, the fact that you were so, you know, emotionally broken Mm. and have this woman show up who'd also left the government. I know. To be a coach, like yeah, that's not an accident. Yeah, and her um, husband was also a recovered addict. Wow. Yeah. So I just got yeah. goosebumps again. I haven't actually talked about this story in a while, um, <sighs> but but I left her house and I I went home and cornered my husband and said, uh, I just met an angel and I have hope for the first time in in you know ten years and uh, mm-hmm. I'm going on this weekend. Like I didn't even give him a choice. Yeah. Like I'm going, you know, call your parents if you need help. And it was me demanding what I needed for the first yeah. time, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and it was the best decision I ever made. Mm, um, that's so beautiful. And now you're yeah. changing lives. Oh, you're, you're the I, angel. You're so, so are you, you know, I just think everybody has this power to help people. They often just, you know, I, I say that the biggest gift you can give anybody is to just hold hold that space for them and not have a fix it mentality. Yeah. Like, don't be running over what you're going to what advice you're going to give them and, and what you think they need. Yeah. And that's the difference between therapy and coaching. That's why people can be in therapy for 20 years and not progress. Often. Therapy is trauma based and often the therapist will be looking at their client as they're broken or they're damaged. And we need to reach in and figure out why and what and pull it out. Whereas coaching is nothing about you is broken. You are a whole capable, resourceful person. And all you need to do is be reminded of that. And, and, and sometimes it, it is a lot of talking, but it's a lot of reflecting back to them. They're, they're, their wholeness. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I'm again, back to the bus at the very beginning, you are who you say you are. You are. So who you are. if I can come to you and I could say, this is who I want to be, right? This is who I long to be. Mm-hmm. And then you hold that space with me mm-hmm. and you keep pointing me in that direction. You keep reminding me mm-hmm. and I get to be whoever I say I want to be. Mm-hmm. Whereas the mental health system does focus on what's wrong. It's an illness. You're broken. There's, you know, and yeah, we, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but yeah. Cause I would I like the wellness therapy. Like I've been in therapy. Yeah. There's a place for therapy yep. for sure. I yep. just think there's not enough education over the, over coaching like the difference between coaching and therapy. A lot of people seek therapy when they actually just, they need a coach. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. And Um, I think, yeah, yeah. I also think, um, like you said, there's a very appropriate, like, I don't know where I would be without my first therapist. That was what I needed at that time. Oh yeah. 
And then fast well, forward, you know, mm-hmm. 20 years when I worked with my coach who is trauma informed, mm-hmm. um, but coaching it is, it's just more holistic. It's different. It just has a different, there's just a different perspective of wellness and wholeness mm-hmm. and future and vision and stepping into your true authentic self instead of only, you know, or instead of looking at things as if they're broken. Yeah. You know, you and I both shared the same story on our Instagram after you taught me how to do it. Um, <laughs> but where where Hardy is getting yes. care for his anxiety after a near-death bus accident last year. And I'm just so proud of him because, you know, and I don't know if you read, you know, my um, yes, it was beautiful. caption, mm-hmm. but like, we're going to tend to look at that like, oh, Hardy has mental health issues. No, nope. Hardy is a human mm-hmm. who had a near-death experience that landed in his body that is still hijacking his nervous system, even though he knows he's okay. And yeah. he needs care to mm-hmm. figure out how to regulate his very human nervous system, mm-hmm. right? Like, look at, look at it from a lens of wellness and wholeness mm-hmm. and humanity as opposed to illness and brokenness. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so, I, I don't even know him, but I think I, when I reposted, I said, I'm so proud of you Yes, because it, it's these people with the, who are so, um, in the spotlight and, and when they're brave and vulnerable, it gives other people that freedom to do the same, yeah. you know, and, and that's where change is going to ripple. And that's, yeah. and that's what we need is we need people to feel more, comfortable to come out and say, I'm struggling. I'm going to take a breath here and right. uh, and I'll be back. Yeah. You know, yeah. because that's, I mean, I think of how that translates into being a mom like oh, yeah. every day, especially when my son was little, I had to say, I need a break. Mm. I'll be back. But again, the guilt and shame are like, nope, you should just be able to muscle through and power up and be super mom. And you know, we have that no matter what we're doing in life. Yeah. Um, and I think, like you said, we just, we need to be honest and we need to talk about the the human experience mm-hmm. from a place of wholeness, as opposed to Broken. if you're not perfect, if you can't keep it all together, there must be something wrong with you because that is a lie. It is. Yeah, it is. And like, you know, when I, and I know you feel the same way when you, when you see artists in the spotlight. Um, their struggles are often glamorized and they're, um, they're used to make money, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking of Britney Spears right now. And can you just imagine how different her life would be if she had been surrounded by people who loved her and supported her and had her best interests at heart and held her whole and like, walked beside her and not in front of her you know and and when I see these these images of her right now and I just I pray for her I know that sounds cheesy but I'm like I literally or you know meditate meditate I send her so much because I just um I don't want to see that anymore I think we are evolved as a as a civilization now that that this needs to stop and that there is help out there it's just a matter of I don't know. What is it a matter of people, more people like us becoming more accessible? Like, I don't I know. Think it's, I think it's creating a different world through wellness. I think, you know, it's, it's not just we work in the, you know, the music industry or the entertainment industry. We're doing this for all of humanity, right? Because, you know, my perspective is, you know, when, when artists are well, we all win. If we can bring wellness to the entertainment industry, we can bring wellness to the world because there is such a large platform. But take all that out of there when we're well, when when I'm well, when you're well, your family is better. Mm. Your friends are better. Mm-hmm. You know, your clients are better. Like there is just such a ripple effect. And we still have so much abuse and addiction and toxicity and dysfunction that's still happening mm-hmm. across 
all <laughs> demographics, across all industries, across all families mm -hmm. and, you know, everywhere. And so I just think that's where my passion comes from is when we heal ourselves, we heal the world. Yeah. It starts at home, right? It does. Yeah. I always say the world needs healing and my contribution is I'll take care of me. Yeah. I love that. And if I don't start there, you know, and you know, you were talking about, you know, your burnout and you know, a bit of my story, that's what happened to me. You know, mm -hmm. I was a successful therapist with a successful practice until I burned out and found myself in a very dark place mm -hmm. and questioning my very existence. And I don't ever want to feel that again. I know that I can't guarantee that I won't, but I feel from doing more coaching, doing that inner healing, working on my own trauma, I get to hold the balance of gratitude. I have gratitude for everything that's going my way mm -hmm. and I have resiliency for everything that's not. Whereas mm -hmm. before I had to take care of all the people, I had to stay in control. I had to make sure all my clients were happy and make sure my family was happy. And I was just getting further and further left behind by my own doing. Yeah. Until I had very little left. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's where my passion for helping other people comes from is you have to fight for yourself first. Yes. We just were never taught that. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Um, and it's something that is learned. But I have a question for you. What's what, that? what is your like biggest dream for, for your business? Like, mm. where would you like it to end up one day? So my biggest dream is I have a quasi luxury slash super comfortable <laughs> low key sweatpant <laughs> retreat center. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know if you need your luxury sweatpants. I don't know, but like a retreat center near the mountains and the lake where artists can come and mm. be seen and relaxed and seen and taken care of, but not pampered and doted on. Like served from a place of authentic care and concern, mm. like authentic care and concern goes into your food into, you know, I mean, a lot of artists, they have all the things. Yeah. And so I want to be able to serve from a place of compassion, authentic conversation around a bonfire, um, really pouring into people, having yoga and, you know, maybe a chiropractor, massage therapy, but everything is wellness integrated and not, like you said, your self-care has changed over the years, not wellness as things we're going to mark off the list, but wellness from people who have struggled, who are now doing their work, mm -hmm. where we can feel that collective energy so people can have more hope and they are, you know, especially for artists to be able to have a place where they are not, we're not about the art as much as the person and their soul. Yeah. Like a, like a, um, like a holistic respite yeah. retreat where they can yes. disconnect, not, not be like we're private, not, no, yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I think that's my dream too. Why do you have to live in the U.S.? Why can't you be in Canada? <laughs> I, I'm not opposed to Canada. We do this together. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe I told you we have to start with a retreat. We have to do a retreat in Canada. Yeah. And I'm all about it. Don't think I haven't already started researching. <laughs> yeah. I may have told my husband, like, I'm going to do a retreat in Canada with this with this woman. Her name's Kristen. She just doesn't know it yet. <laughs> oh, I'm. I mean that that would be amazing. I think. You, you, uh, did you, did you see that I had gone away to a, yes. a, a retreat? Yeah. And, yes. and it was burned down by wildfires. Yes. Like right after you were there. Uh, less than a week. Wow. Less than a week. I got really lucky and I, um, yeah, though, you know, everything, I, I do believe everything happens for a reason. I, I had planned this trip and then I was, I was leaving the, the resort, uh, resort, um, the yoga resort. I was leaving there to go pick a friend up in Vancouver. But had I not committed to picking her up at the airport, I probably would have stayed because I just didn't want to leave. Yeah. It was so 
beautiful. Um, and it was very similar to what you were talking about, like the food. Oh, like just it was all um, it was just they're all chefs, you know, but it was like yeah. healthy, delicious food, um, yoga, meditation, paddle boarding, um, whitewater rafting, which I did. I even jumped off a cliff and I have a fear of heights, but it was wow. just so soul filling that yeah. I was already talking to the owners. I said, I'd like to book two weeks here next summer. I want to do two different retreats. And now, yeah, 40 years of work um, gone, but they are, I think they've raised about at least half or close to half of what they need to, to rebuild. But okay. there's so many more of these types of, sure. of places, you know, in, in the mountains. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, I love that dream. I love that dream. Yeah. So you said you too, anything else that you have a dream that you like when I, when I think of my dream, like when I write down my manifestation statements, if you will, one of them is always I'm having, you know, we are having a positive impact on the entertainment industry and lives are changing. Lives are being saved. Because ultimately, my greatest passion is to end celebrity suicide. Yeah. Simply, not simply, but because we have such a false narrative about what success gives us and it's killing people. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? What is, in addition to a retreat center, is there um, another goal, <laughs> dream, vision? Um, all the same things as you, really. I, I, um, I would love one day. Um, I don't know. This isn't like the this isn't like the ultimate goal, but I would really love one day to um, go on the road with with a successful band and like see the world and support the entire band and crew at the same time through sobriety meetings, meditations, one on one coaching, and in like to me that would just be the dream like yeah. to see the world to, to be a part of the music to be a part of everything and helping people all at the same time yeah. would, i can't think of anything else that would you know that would just be i'd be like well i've made it <laughs> well, um i mean not that it's all about making it but you know what sure, i mean sure i do i it's do it's dream you know when you talk about having dreams i i think that would be pretty cool I have dreamt about that. Yeah. Traveling. Yeah. yeah. I just, I'm always like, okay, well, as with you, it'll be after there are no children in the home and yeah. Yeah. I have to figure out a way, you know, my husband and I work really well together. Mm. And so we're always dreaming that kind of stuff together. So, you know, like, I love what, it. what role would you play and how could you serve people? And, you know, just looking at the gifts that we have and, um, you know, there's nothing better than being generous too. Mm -hmm. um, and just playing around with it and dreaming, you know, just casting vision. So you have to dream, right? And that's yeah. what I tell my clients. And um, at the end of almost every interview I, I do, I ask, like, what is your biggest, boldest dream for your life? To the point, if you were sitting beside a really small minded person, you'd actually feel silly telling them. Yeah. Because if you have that dream in you, that that's connected to your purpose. Yes, I fully believe that. You know, and yeah. no one's actually asked me back what mine was. So yeah. I do need to put some thought into that. But that is one I I actually I've I've had an actual I've had several um, like physical dreams while I'm sleeping that um, <laughs> I'm sitting on a big like blanket that looks like covered in mandalas with tea and um, tea and candles uh, looking at Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm trying to manifest this, but. That's sort of where, where, where my, I give my, my brain permission to dream is like, how cool would that be, you know, yeah. To, yeah. To, to be having this, this otherworldly experience talking about spirituality and meditation and doing yeah. yoga together. And yes. Yeah. And I think we need to normalize that conversation as well, yeah. right? To have dreams and to think big and to know the world is big and open and you can, if you prefer staying home with your tea under a snuggly blanket, that is amazing. If you want to be traveling the world and flying on private jets, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. but make sure it's what you want Mm -hmm. and not something that someone else is telling you that you should want and not something that your old memory or an old voice of someone who may not even be in your life anymore told you that you could or could, you know, you should do or you could not have. Yeah. We're back to that. Like, what, what do you dream about? What do you want? Yeah. Yeah. It's so important to keep dreaming. Yeah. What is your, um, you do a lot of Instagram lives. What is your purpose for those? What do you hope people glean from those? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, it, I kind of fell back into it. So like I was sharing earlier, um, my whole music career started with this music magazine, right. And interviewing, um, it was a very natural thing to start doing when I realized Instagram had this live feature and the support I was getting from the Canadian music industry was just so overwhelming. Um, I had a few people reach out and say, I love what you're doing. I, I've struggled with mental health or my mom was an addict or my, you know, and I'd love to talk to you and I'd love to share to inspire others. And that's how it started. And I didn't even have to go and seek out the first interviews. They just started coming to me. And I'm a really big believer that you can't run from what's meant for you. Right. But it has been stretchy, Kim, because I am an introvert. I do not like being in in the spotlight, which is probably why I never became a musician myself. I really like being on, on the sidelines watching. But um, it's just snowballed. And, you know, I'm, ga- I'm gaining more confidence. But when I get nervous, I do stutter. Um, so that's been something I've had to I've had to work on. Um but like you started with, you know, you started this call with saying people want authenticity. And I, I, I mean, I'm just me. I'm not an, I'm not a journalist. Um, I, but you are honey, you are who you say you are. (laughs) So who are you? Oh, who are you? Well, I just got goosebumps again. Um, (laughs) well, who am I? Um, ultimately I just, I'm a, I believe I'm a spiritual being, you know, and I'm, I'm just here for a short time on earth and just trying to like live my purpose and figure, and I, and I think that it can change, you know, I think that, um, you know, all the jobs that I've had, you know, at one point felt like this is, this is why I'm here, you know, and I, I just think that I need to like, continually grow and strive and evolve. And, you know, aside from the easy answers of I'm a mother, you know, I'm a coach, you know, I'm a music lover. I'm, um, I'm just me. And that's a really good question. You put me on the spot there. I'm figuring it out, you know, just keep stepping into your power. Yeah. I mean, you know, I got a tattoo. Did I tell you that? No, did you? So my first, it you see it? It's it, beautiful. Is it the mountains? It's the mountains. It's um, the mountains. out in uh, Banff area. And wow. then it's got my, it's like a compass. It's got my, my kids initials. That's so it. cool. But it, uh, when you ask me like, who are you? I'm, I'm now sort of giving myself permission to really express mm. that because, you know, I wasn't even allowed to get a nose ring when I was a kid. I, I waited till I was 37. I'm now 43 and I got a tattoo and I'm not stopping because I love it. So I've got a sleeve booked. <laughs> nice. And everyone's like, are you nuts? Is she having a midlife crisis? And I'm, <laughs> I'm saying, no, I actually think for the first time I'm able to honor and, and say, no, this is what I want to do. This is who I am. And I'm expressing it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, we could probably go on another hour. Is yeah. she having a midlife crisis? Is she right? having- how, how old is that term? And how well did that serve women who come into their forties, who finally start waking up and like owning their bodies and their minds and their sensuality and their dreams and their visions and their entrepreneurship and, and midlife crisis. <laughs> Or authenticity. There's or that. am I just finally um, 
caring so little about what other people think that I'm yes. honoring who I am. And Yes. Yeah. Reach it from the mountains. I yes. love it. Yeah. I so adore you. I'm so glad that we met. I'm so glad that we became fast friends. I look forward to just having these conversations, bringing more into the social media world, but even more just into each other's lives. And absolutely, you know, I, I have a list. I'm, you know, like you, I feel so much gratitude for the people I've met mm -hmm. that I'm like, okay, well, I have to go to Canada. <laughs> I have to go to Los Angeles yeah. and I really need to get to South Africa because yeah. I'm meeting so many amazing people and you are just such a light uh, and you know, you are like that woman who was the earth angel for you. That's who you are for people that you meet. So oh, keep being you. you. And you are too. I'm so, I'm so grateful for this connection and I, I don't know what our future together looks like tangibly, but I know there we're going to be working together. And I, yeah. and I do want to follow through with doing some lives with you. Yes. Um, and uh, just keep continuing this conversation on an open platform where people can tune in. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. Absolutely.